This afternoon, just for a few minutes here, I want to talk about a subject that I have been threatening to preach about for a while now, and I just have never felt the open door to do it or the liberty to do it. And uh, until Brother Tim asked me to fill in tonight, and I thought when he did, this is the thing that immediately popped into my mind. And that was on the subject of profanity. You know, I've been in church my whole life, and I'm, you know, very possibly I could have heard sermons on this when I was younger. I just don't remember them if I did. And it's not a subject that you're going to hear very often, but it's a subject that I think is important, and it's a subject that I think the Bible has a lot to say about. And so those, that particular subject has, has been on my mind, so hopefully we can look at the Word of God tonight and look and see exactly what the Bible says about that. And I looked up a few definitions, and I jotted them down. And you know, we say profanity. Not many people are going to say, you know, profanity. Most people say cussing, right? Or cursing. Uh, but uh, profanity, cussing, cursing, you know, all the same thing, right? The definition of cursing is uh, to use a profane or obscene word perceived as offensive. To use a, to, uh, use a profane or obscene word perceived as offensive. That's just the very definition of cursing or profanity. And as I started thinking about these things, I, I just kind of asked myself, you know, why, why? And we're all familiar with that, right? Um, that is one of the things that you just can't hide from forever. Eventually, you are going to be around people who are going to talk in certain ways that are offensive, right? Uh, and, um, you know, as, as we have young children growing up, uh, we try to be very, very careful. You know, the things that come across the television, you know, we either have it on VidAngel or it's Andy Griffith or something like that where that we know is safe. Um, but even, even then, or just listening to, uh, you know, driving down the road, listening to a, uh, you know, the radio, uh, they just have a way of popping up and sneaking in. You know, I mean, they just do. It's, it's, it's impossible to stay away from these things. And the danger of something like that is if you're exposed to something long enough, it is just human nature to be uh, become more and more comfortable with it. Now, that does not mean that you are going to adopt those practices, but in a sense, you let your guard down and you just it's something you just hear um, and you become more and more comfortable with it and desensitized to it. And that's kind of a dangerous mindset to be in, in any aspect of sin, right? And so... <clears throat> I thought about what are the reasons uh, that we do that, you know, that we, we, we might use profanity. Um, and, you know, really I, I boiled it down to three reasons. One being uh, because a person is angry, right? There are people who, uh, you know, when anger wells up inside of them, it is in, in some sort of psychological way, it is a uh, release for them supposedly to... Um, to make them feel better, right? Now, I don't think it actually is going to make you feel better. I think the devil just wants you to think it's going to make you feel better, right? And there are, that's, that's true in many areas. And, and you know, uh, right now I'm dealing with the guilt of being a little bit hard on a little league umpire last night, right? And I told Tiffany, I said, you know, the guy just pretty much ruined the game for us. And afterwards, I just went over there and talked to him for a few minutes. <laughs> And, and, and gave him my opinion on how terrible his strike zone was, and I thought that'd make me feel a whole lot better, and I didn't even sleep last night. I felt so bad about it, right? Sometimes the things we think are going to make us feel better don't actually make us feel better, right? But some people uh, might use profanity just because they're angry, right? Some people use profanity, I think, because it is a habit, 
Um, maybe it's uh, something where you grew up in a household and you heard that very frequently. Now listen, I'll, I'll, and I may stand alone on this, uh, I think one of the most ridiculous things a parent can say that uses foul language is to tell their children that they can't use foul language. I think that's ridiculous. If you as a parent are using foul language, you have no right to tell your children not to mimic the way you talk, right? And so, but sometimes you grow up in a household where you hear that on a frequent basis and it just becomes a habit, right? Um, and so sometimes you'll be talking to people and you'll realize as they talk that those profane words are just a part of their vocabulary. I don't think that they necessarily set, you know, are set out in conversation to say things that are offensive. They've just heard it their whole life. They've been around it their whole life. And they just kind of took on that habit, right? Uh, but that does not mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's healthy. I think another reason that people do it is, uh, especially younger people, I think they do it to try to look cool and impress people, right? Um, you see a lot of young kids, they, you know, for some reason, and I, you know, I went through stages of, of, of feeling this way too, that you just have this, you know, this instinctive desire of your flesh to want to be popular, to want to fit in, to have people want to look at you and like you and to be cool. And sometimes you may start doing things, even though you're not real comfortable doing them, if you think it will get you some votes, you know, per se, or some people to like you or to make you fit in with some people that you are that you have a, 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 a admiration for, you may start talking like that. Right. And I think that you simply do that just to impress people. So I think there are different reasons that um, we, we uh, you know, when I say we, you know, I, I don't use profanity, but I'm just using we as mankind. I think there are several different reasons that we do that. Uh, I've heard the arguments before. Ah, they're just words, you know. How can a word really be bad? They're, it's just a word. It's just something you say, and I've heard all of those arguments. But, you know, uh, I want to specifically look at the word of what the word of God says about it, but... If we didn't even have the word of God, if we just looked at the way the world identifies or recognizes profanity, just based off what the world is telling us, we would have to admit that the world, even the world, acknowledges that there are words that are, prof that are profane, obscene, and perceived as offensive, right? Because... I cannot go down to um, get my tag renewed for my vehicles and tell them I want a customized tag and get whatever profanity I want on that tag, right? Now, that is not a Christian institution. That's simply an institution of the world, but they're going to say, you can't do that, right? Did you know that the FCC, they have... Uh, stipulations, regulations, that there are certain things that you can, certain words you cannot say on the radio, right? Now, if you've got a private satellite, you know, uh, Sirius XM station or whatever, or a podcast, they don't govern over those things. But if you have a public radio uh, station, there are certain things that they regulate that you cannot say, right? Uh, if you think about this, um, <clears throat> If you think about uh, movie ratings, right? Now, 
the people that um, govern movie, movie ratings and sit down and look at a list of you know what the content of a movie, they assign it a rating so the general public will kind of know what to expect. Well, if they're just words, why does an institution that's not a Christian institution, why do they warn us about those things? Okay? You can't just put it on a license plate. You can't, uh, you can't uh, put it on the radio under certain restrictions. You can't have a movie that has those things in them without warning the public that you have, them, have uh, those words in there, right? If they're just words, why does a school, an elementary school, not permit their students to use that language without getting in trouble, right? Now, I'm sure a lot of teachers and people turn a blind eye to that. But I know when I was in school, if I would have used some you know, profane word in the classroom out loud, I know exactly where I would go. I would have gone straight to the principal's office. They would have probably lit me up. Then they would have called my parents, and then they would have probably lit me up, rightly so, right? I did, it, was, it, was, it was just known among those institutions, whether they are Christian institutions or not, that there are certain words that are considered profane and obscene, right? I think we all can agree with that, right? Now, <clears throat> let's look for just a few minutes at what the Bible says about these words. <clears throat> let's turn to Colossians, the third chapter, for just a second. I've got several places that I want to turn here. And the reason that this is primarily on my mind is, uh, one, because... Uh, Maybe I've just become more aware of it, but it just seems to be much more rampant now than it used to be. Um, I can think of many, many instances where we have been in restaurants and there would be a table beside us or we might be at a bowling alley and there'd be a group beside us or in different places. And if you just kind of open your ears and listen, conversations are riddled with it. I mean, they're riddled with it. And, and, you know, we like to put degrees of profanity, right? Well, this is a level 10 profanity. This is a level 3 profanity. I'm just talking about profanity. I don't care what level you want to put it on. There's no shame in how they talk, right? And, you know, there's been some instances where I've had to get up from a dinner table out at a restaurant, go to another table, and say, would you please keep your language G-rated because my kids are sitting right here. And I don't care anything about hearing it either. I've had, I've had patients come in, and I can think of one in particular. A new patient came into the office, and, you know, in the first few minutes that he sat down, he and I sat down and started talking, you know, he was just rolling one after another. And I said, man, I just got to stop you right there. I said, uh, and most, most of y'all probably have been in the office. You know, we got open rooms down there. I said, man, I got kids, young people. I got people all over this place. I said, if you can come in here, you got to keep it G-rated. Never came back, you know, thank the Lord. He never came back. But it's just commonplace. I, I feel like in days past when people would use language like that, they at least tried to keep it, uh, you know, somewhat secret, somewhat set off. You know, they maybe wouldn't use it in certain, uh, you know, certain arenas and certain, uh, certain people around. Maybe they say, well, women or children around, I'm going to watch my language or whatever. But nowadays it just seems to be that's just how human beings talk, right? Um, <clears throat> we were at a restaurant maybe six months ago and we walked in and we're in a little waiting room probably no bigger than this uh raised pulpit up here and, and there were four or five college kids and it was just one cuss word after another you know and i and they had no I, no regard to anybody around them 
went to a uh, wedding a couple weekends ago. And standing there uh, while they were taking pictures, uh, the bride and the groom and their families and you know, little kids running around, there was a groomsman over there and he was rolling them off just as fast as he could say them, just as loud as he could say them with no regard to anybody else around. Well, listen, I have a problem with that, okay? I, have, I take issue with that because of what the Word of God says, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's enough that the worldly institu institutions recognize these as offensive, but if the worldly institutions recognize them as that, how much more weight should we put on what the Word of God says, right? Now, Colossians, the third chapter, <clears throat> in verse 8, it says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. The word filthy there means vile, dishonorable, and obscene. All right, so listen to this. If the definition of profanity is an offensive word, a, a, a profane or obscene word perceived as offensive, and the definition of filthy here is obscene, it says, put now ye also, but now ye also put off all obscene communication out of your mouth. Now, if that's the only verse that I had, that's enough. That the child of God's speech, the child of God's language that he uses should in no way be obscene. And if the language that I'm using would jack up a movie rating from a PG to a PG-13, there's something wrong with my language, right? Now, let's look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'm going to give you several here. <clears throat> Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 29, it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. OK, so here we've got corrupt communication. The word corrupt there means rotten or of poor quality, it says, let no uh, communication that is that is uh, rotten or of poor quality proceed out of your mouth, but what should proceed out of your mouth should be edifying and it should minister grace to the hearers. Now, is there anybody in here that would ever say, I heard a man go on a level 10 cussing tirade and it sure did edify me and minister grace to my ears. Come on now. No. Anybody that is in their spiritual mind and has their spiritual senses in tune should recoil a little bit when they hear that type of language, right? You got to be careful again because it's so common that if you're not careful, you'll be used to it. I mean, you'll get used to it. And I've, I've noticed now just in the, you know, the, the, the you know, 40 something years that I've been alive or been, you know, aware of, of you know, movies and things like that. What is accepted, acceptable language for the PG-13 movie rating is astonishing, right? I feel like what now they would say, okay, well, that's PG-13 language. Back when I was a kid, it would have been R-rated language, 
Right, and then it's not going to be long before the PG movies have the words that were that are now considered PG-13. I'm thankful that I had parents that they didn't let me watch that stuff. We're sitting there watching TV, and we, you know, hear a word, it, see ya, new show, go play with your toy. You know, they they were concerned with what fell on my ears. Right, never heard either one of my parents say a single profanity their whole life. Hope it stays that way. Probably wanted to at me sometimes, but they don't. Right clean mouse and that's one of the things that I, I'm the most one of the things I'm the most proud to say is that I grew up in a household where I never ever ever heard profanity right now y'all may have been doing it behind closed doors when Josh made you mad I don't know but I know I never made you that mad right <clears throat> language that is filthy vile dishonorable and obscene Language that is corrupt, rotten, or of poor quality should not proceed out of our mouths. 2 Timothy 2.16. This says, 2 Timothy 2.16, but shun, that means to, uh, to avoid or to put off, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. All right, the word profane there simply means ungodly. Uh, to, uh, to you need to put off or avoid ungodly babblings. And here's the thing. To me, when I read this verse, what I see is that profanity is a, one of the first stepping stones to some more severe uh, things that are dangerous and evil that you can partake of, Right? Uh, I think one of the first things, if you probably uh, could watch a documentary on the lives of young people that, you know, how they, the things that they started doing that as they went astray, you know, maybe they were on the straight and narrow and, you know, 20, 30 years later, they're way over here, maybe even in prison. If you really had the truth of it and you backed way up to when they first started to get off the straight and narrow, probably one of the very first things they started doing was using profanity. It's an easy, simple, blurted out of your mouth. You know, there's probably not going to be a lot of constant. It's just a little building block to rebel and to go your own way. And that's what this says. It says you need to shun ungodly babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness. That tells us right there that ungodly talk is a stepping stone that will lead you to more ungodliness, right? Now, let's look at James real quick. This is probably... um, one of my favorites out of these few. James, the third chapter in verse 10. We'll start in uh, verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Now notice this verse here. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Okay? Now again, I don't need... 50 verses to tell me what the speech of a child of God should be. But I've given you multiple ones here. 
They tell me that out of the mouth of a child of God should come no language that is filthy, vile, dishonorable, obscene, corrupt, rotten, or of poor quality, profane, or ungodly. And it says, out of the same mouth should not proceed, uh, proceed blessings and cursings. Let me tell you this little story here that, that paints this verse to me so well. I was talking with a guy, this has probably been six or eight months ago, <clears throat> and uh, you know, he and I don't really have a, a you know, uh, he, he just is more of an acquaintance, right? We're not, you know, deep, close friends or anything like that. And so he's not one that I would expect to get into a good, deep spiritual conversation with, right? Uh, he, he does a little bit of work for us and we pay him and that's about the extent of it and we see him periodically. And so this man was doing some work for us and I was talking to him. And uh, the conversation, not on my account, but he took the conversation, and I don't even remember how it started, but he turned it towards spiritual things, and which I was almost shocked by because I just didn't take him as a real spiritually minded person. But he started talking about spiritual things. He started quoting some scripture, and he, he got up so close to preaching a primitive Baptist sermon. He might have even gone over a little bit into it. I mean, I was just in awe, like, I cannot believe that I'm sitting here and this guy, he doesn't realize what he's saying, but this guy is, is passionately talking about grace. He's talking about election. He's talking about predestination. He's talking about all the things that we believe. And he didn't even realize he was doing it. And I was just like, wow. You know, like, I mean, I was filled with the Spirit of God and my jaw was on the ground, just amazed, like, Lord, you are showing to me once again that you are working when I don't even realize you're working. You're working on people, you're going before us, you're paving the way, you're working on the hearts of people. And then the conversation went from that to within a minute he was talking about something else and he was letting them roll off his tongue like he was in a cussing contest. And it just, I mean, it deflated me. I picked my jaw back up off the ground. I thought, okay, Lord, <laughs> well, I don't know what you're trying to tell me with this one, you know? But see, this man out of the same mouth, he was praising God and quoting scripture. And the next minute, he was using filthy, vile, dishonorable, obscene, corrupt, rotten, poor quality, profane, and ungodly speech. And there was something very, very antagonistic about that to the, to the Spirit of God inside of me. It repelled me back. If I find myself one day broken, hurt, and needing to cry out to somebody to point me towards the things of the Spirit of God, do you think I would call that guy? No way. Even though I believe with all my heart he's a child of God, I don't think you can be a child of God and, 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 and not be a child of God and say some of the things that he was saying about the Spirit of the Lord. But maybe it was his habit. I don't think he was trying to impress me because that's not his way. He certainly wasn't angry. I think he just had a habit of talking that way. Well, guess what, folks? Out of the same mouth should not proceed blessings and cursings. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet and bitter water? How repelled would you be 
if you went to your kitchen sink to get a glass of water and one time you turn it on and it's great and the next time you turn it on and it is spewing out bitter dirty filthy water that would be a problem right that's how the Lord describes a child of God who has a filthy mouth. It's alarming to those around you and they will not take you seriously when you turn on the faucet one minute and get clean speech. You turn on the faucet the next minute and you're spewing out cursings. Okay, are you with me? What's the effects of it? Two things that I can, there, there are many things, but for the sake of time, two things. What are the effects of a child of God who uses foul language to those around him? Number one, I preached a sermon a while back about what type of witness are you? If you are a witness for the Lord and you were going to stand up and talk about the things of the Lord and you wanted to be a credible witness, just like a witness in the court of law, a witness in the court of law, as I said that day, uh, the prosecutor, um, you know, they may want to, if they've got a witness that is going to speak against the person they're trying to prosecute, they want that witness to have a squeaky clean record, right? They want that witness to be honorable and honest because what's going to happen is the, the defense attorney, and if I've got these terms wrong, just holler out. The defense attorney is going to come over and try to discredit this guy. They're going to say, well, yeah, they brought this witness in that said he saw the man shoot this man. And then, then the, the defense attorney comes on and says, okay. And they give 30 stories about how this particular witness has lied under oath 30 different times. Well, all of a sudden, he's not a very good witness, right? If we are going to be a good witness for the things of the Lord, we have got to conduct ourselves in a certain way, Right. I believe that, it's, and it may be more than just military terms, Brother Jim, you can correct me on this, but there is, a, there is a phrase that I know is used in the military that is called conduct unbecoming. Am I right about that? Conduct unbecoming, right? And what that means is if you are in a certain branch of the military or maybe a police force or whatever it is, there is a certain level of conduct that they expect you to have. And there are certain things that you cannot do as a member of that particular branch of service. And if you do, they can bring a charge against you uh, and it will be you will be charged with conduct unbecoming. You are not acting like the soldier that we told you you're supposed to act like. In the same way, the child of God, the Lord has given us a path to walk and certain things we are to do and certain things we are not to do. Well, a child of God, based on what the Bible says with a filthy mouth, that is conduct unbecoming. Meaning it is not becoming of a child of God based on the word of God to use that type of language. And if you do use that type of language, I assure you, you are going to lose your credibility as a witness for the Lord. Whether we are right or wrong in doing that, that is what is going to happen. When I see people, hear people, read people's posts on Facebook, things like that, and you know, there's, there's, there's two posts about spiritual things, and then there's two posts that are cussing about how bad the traffic is. All right? You're hurting your witness. You're ruining your witness. And 
by all means, as this world is crumbling and falling apart, we need somebody to stand up and be a light and a beacon so when another child of God has fallen down, there'll be somebody there to pick him up, right? Now, what's the other one? You'll lose a lot of respect. And let me give you this account right here. We had a friend that was dating um, a guy one time, and this particular guy seemed to be a pretty nice guy, uh, was uh, an athlete. And this is, I guess, I don't know, maybe several years ago. And we were around him a few times, and you know how, how little boys can be, uh, and how I was when I was a little boy, you just look up to those athletes, right? Like, ooh, athlete, you know, he's a baseball player, football player, whatever. And so <clears throat> this particular boy or young man had the admiration of Hank. You know, Hank looked up to us like, wow, you know, this guy, he, he's neat, you know, he's big time. So we went and watched him play a football game one night. And afterwards, we went close to where the dressing room was in the field house, and we were watching them all come out. And this guy comes out. We were going to speak to him. Hey, you know, good game, whatever. Well, all of a sudden, this guy, he didn't know that we were standing there, and he just started letting them fly. Profanity, profanity, profanity. And I could just see, I could, if, you, if you know Hank, I could just see that his spirit was in turmoil. And he came to me uh, a few days later and he said, Dad, he said, uh, I used to really look up to that guy. I used to really admire him. But after the way I heard him talk, I don't respect him anymore. Now, guys, that was coming from, at that time, probably a seven, eight-year-old, something like that. If you don't think the way you speak affects, affects the little guys, you're deceived. The Bible speaks very, very clearly about offending the little ones, right? Offending the little ones. Now, let me, let me get ready to close here. What should be the child of God's response to the temptations of wanting to let the filthy, vile, you know, corrupt, dishonorable, obscene words flow out of our mouth? You may have grown up in a home where you heard it so much, you don't even realize you're saying it when you say it. You may have, such, you may have been around it so much but you have learned not to talk like that, but you know that that little you know, dragon is, is ready to raise his ugly head as soon as you smash your finger with a hammer. And it's just automatic and you, you don't do it intentionally, it just happens. How do, we, how do we deal with it? How do we handle it? How do we respond to it? Proverbs, let me give you two verses. Proverbs, the 21st chapter here. Proverbs, the 21st chapter in verse 23, it says this, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Now, that tells me and other places of the Bible tell me that, and I tell our kids this, one of the, the most deadly weapon you can ever carry around is your tongue. The Bible says in, in the, uh, 
and I can't quote it exactly, but there is uh, the power of life and there's the power of death in the tongue. You can lift somebody up with it or you can cut them down to the quick and destroy them with it. The tongue is a powerful thing. It's very difficult to tame. The Bible says you can put bits in horses' mouths, you can put a rudder on a ship, and you can guide those humongous things with such a small thing, but you can't tame the tongue. It is ingrained in us to want to lash out and, and, and maybe you know, spew those things out of our mouth at times. But the Bible says, so what you've got to do is set a guard over your mouth. You've got to set a watchman and a gate over your mouth. Psalms 141.3 says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Amen. Right? Have you prayed, Lord, help me keep a guard over my lips. Now, when I went to that little umpire last night, I did not use profanity. I didn't even really raise my voice all that much, but I wish I would have been praying, set a guard over my lips. Help me to be discerning enough, know when to keep my mouth shut, because in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, right? So the child of God should walk with a prayer in their heart that, Lord, help me keep my mouth Help me set a watch over my mouth and help me keep a door over my lips. The concluding verse that I'd like to give you, which everybody probably knows it here, Psalms 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So there's a good question. Lord, are my words acceptable in your sight? If I spoke these things with you standing in front of me face to face, would you deem them as acceptable? Or would you say, I'm sorry, Luke. I'm going to have to put that under the filthy, vile, dishonorable, obscene, corrupt, rotten, poor quality, profane, ungodly, and cursing category, right? I'm going to have to say that you did not keep the door of your mouth. You did not keep the door of your lips. And your speech is conduct unbecoming of somebody that carries my spirit inside of them and wears my name because you are my child. Right? Now listen. Profanity is rampant. It's common. You're going to hear it everywhere you go. And you probably cannot get away from it in a lot of circumstances that you're going to find yourself in in this life. I can't speak for everybody else here. But Luke, to Luke, you do not look cool and you are not impressing me with your profanity. What you're doing is destroying your witness and you're offending a lot of those people around you. The Word of God says... The child of God, his speech should minister grace to the hearers and should be edifying. And if you go on some sort of cussing tirade, that is not the effect that you're going to get. And I dare say that those words are not acceptable in the sight of God. Now, we are, li we are living in a day where mediocrity is the goal, right? Right? Nobody wants to excel anymore. Everybody wants just to kind of, you know, let's do the bare minimum. Let's just go with the flow. If you've ever been to fast food lately, maybe with the exception of Chick-fil-A, you're not going to get a whole lot more than mediocrity, right? Because that's what people see as acceptable. But can we not be as children of God, children of God who strive to go above and beyond mediocrity? 
with our speech, with our behavior. Listen, stand out for crying out loud. Be the man that says he is the only guy on our team who doesn't cuss. He is the only guy that works in this restaurant with us that doesn't cuss. He's the only guy in my study group or girl in my study group that doesn't cuss. He's different. Now, that doesn't mean that's going to change them, but it means that you have glorified the Lord with your works. And your speech has been acceptable in His sight. And that ought to be enough to know that the Lord is pleased with that. Uh, I hope that that's been profitable to you. I know that's a little bit different subject, but I think it's important. I think it's important that children of God realize that, that you know, what comes out of your mouth is a big deal. And it affects people. And the Lord expects us to speak differently than the world speaks. Uh, what concord has light with darkness? Your speech should be different and our uh, should not be vile, should not be corrupt, should not be filthy. It should minister grace and to the hearers and edify them. Okay. So again, I hope that's been profitable to you this afternoon.